Hello and welcome to the AK-47 podcast. My name is Kristen Godsey and this is part two of my October 2022 interview with my daughter. Hello. On the sexual politics on college campuses through the lens of the writings and theories of none other than the illustrious Alexandra Kalantai. So you were, when we last ended our discussions... About like 10 minutes ago. About 10 minutes ago. For those of you who are listening, it was longer than 10 minutes ago, but... Well, because that's because we futzed. We futzed. We did futz. We we, we, we did. Because that's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. We got sidetracked. We got very sidetracked. Well, I thought you had a question for me. Well, the question was... You have a grand narrative about how... I don't have a... Culture. I don't have a grand yes, narrative. Yes, you do. What did you just say at the end of the last I episode? said that there are, there are things about this that I find curious. All I'm saying is... I'm not saying you're a conspiracy theorist. Hmm? But I'm saying that your thing about like, well... Capitalists love hookup culture because it means that educated women, highly educated women and men and men don't and people of all genders and people of all yes, highly educated people do not invest that much emotional energy into their relationships. Right. Many of them do not because of hookup culture and because it's complicated, etc. Right. Basically, young people and that and young people are preparing themselves. For a market upon which their labor is going to be bought and sold with prices determined by the laws of supply and demand. And the price of your labor will be reduced if you have an emotional attachment to someone or something outside of work. What, like Star Trek? Or like any any hobby, right? Or spiritual pursuit. Like anything that distracts you from giving all of your energy to your job, to building your career, to becoming successful, to making something of your life. Anything that distracts from that Mm -hmm. is going to be a hindrance to employers who want to extract as much labor from you as possible. Mm -hmm. So... I'm not saying that it's like they're like sitting in a dark room in in black rubbing suits, their hands rubbing together. their hands together and smoking cigarettes like in the X Files, saying like, ha, 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 "How can we get people not to love each other so that we can exploit them better?" But there is a way in which the the kind of popular understanding of like not being attached in your twenties, like not getting married mm-hmm. too young. Like not settling down until you're, you know, in your late 20s or early 30s is a reflection of the fact that if you do settle down or you do get emotionally attached when you're younger, you're less available to be exploited by capital. So, yes, it's not like a conspiracy theory. It's just like it's the way that the world works. And given that when young people go to college and especially to colleges that are considered, you know, places of great concentration of potential future talent, the last thing that you want is for those talented young people that are being trained to care more about their personal relationships than they care about their careers. Yeah. Okay. So now prove me wrong. Well, no, I can't, I can't really prove you wrong there. Like, I I do agree with you on that point because I think, but I think that the thing is that like partially this is, 
This is a problem that interacts heavily with feminism. Okay. Because this focus on careers, right? Like if you are to, if you were to push against capitalism in this way by being emotionally invested in your relationship that you get into early on in college and that you're fully committed to, then like the thing, most of the people, most of the women that I talk to who taught when, when I talk to women at my college about when they think it's a good idea to get married, Mm -hmm. they talk about having a little, having a career before they settle down. Right. Women want to have something of a career, something of success, something of a taste of the market before they sort of retire from that whole thing and become a mother. Mm -hmm. And so if we were to say that women should like, well, basically, because there's sort of an implicit value judgment here that you're presenting that is about, like, women who don't get invested mm-hmm. are sort of, in some ways, selling their souls to capitalism for at least the next 10 years. Yeah. But, but yeah, but, but that doesn't and, mean I should, I'm saying that they should that, get married, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, but the thing is that if they're being, maybe, maybe not get married, but, like, if they're doing things that... I mean, yes, there is a, there is a healthy middle ground here, which mm-hmm. would be like women going into the workplace but not selling their souls to it and setting healthy boundaries, exactly. but also having healthy and meaningful relationships. Exactly, which is what we're all advocating for. Exactly, in a clear-headed way. In a clear-headed way. But, but the, the problem, binary is, and the problem is, what I always come down to is like this extreme binarism that we live in today, mm-hmm. which is all about like either you are a fundamentalist trad wife who gets married at twenty-two and then has children at 25 and then never enters the workforce or you're a total like capitalist lean in Cheryl Sandberg whatever whatever girl boss <sighs> who gets married when she's 35 and has children when she's 40 or whatever right and like there's no in between you right. can't like be married when you're 27 and then like have a child when wherever whatever and like 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 there there's this we we are so constantly inclined to polarize in a way that is taking us outside of the context of this podcast at least 40 minutes to an hour to come to the conclusion that we actually agree on a middle ground here. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. It's so it's so polarizing. Yeah. Because I'm I'm definitely not like an advocate for what you call a trad wife, right? Yeah. Which I'm taking to mean a traditional yes. wife for those of you who are not native English speakers, because I do have international or native internet speakers. Or native internet speakers, because there are international listeners who won't know what a trad wife is. I, I till till recently I didn't even know what a trad wife was. I, feel I get it's kind it. of intuitive, but it is if you're not a native English speaker, I, yeah. If you're not a native English speaker, you're not going to know what a trad wife is, which is somebody like Haley Baldwin slash Beaver. Yeah. Wasn't she 22? Yeah. But she's, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's different because she kind of has a career. It's like trad wife is like very much, there's also this new phenomenon that I just watched a video about, mm-hmm. about stay at home girlfriends. Okay, what is that? It is what women is- who are like 23 to 27 who are legitimately stay-at-home girlfriends. Like their boyfriends, their boyfriends, not even in a financially, like not in a marriage, not in a really serious, in a committed relationship in that they live together, but like their their boyfriends go off to work and they like cook and clean the house and do errands and like, you know, take care of like typical housewife duties but they're stay-at-home girlfriends instead of wives, and they're much younger. 
And like the reception that the conflicting reception on places like TikTok with these videos is absolutely mind blowing. Can you there are explain? so many there are so many women explain what? Explain the reception? Yeah, the conflicting are, reception. For the conflicting reception, because on one hand, a lot of people are like, this is absolutely like abhorrent. Like these women are consigned. I mean, if they spend like two, three years in their mid-20s off the job market being stay-at-home girlfriends and they break up with this guy, they're never gonna like if they don't get married and they they can never re-enter the job market, mm-hmm. you know, so that they just have a hole, a massive hole in the resume. Whether they're gonna say I was a stay-at-home girlfriend for a few years, no, like that doesn't it doesn't work that way. And so it's like these women are taking huge risks, et cetera, et cetera, and they're financially very dependent on these men. So if they end up in abusive relationships, then they can't. It's much harder for them to get out, and they don't have the legal protections of marriage right. that women who are actually stay-at-home wives do have. Mm-hmm. So it's even more precarious than stay-at-home wives, which is not exactly an ideal situation it's sort of like the relationship gig economy yeah (laughs) but but on the other hand there are a lot of people more people who comment on these videos like the direct comments because there's this sort of meta narrative that surrounds the videos of of this whole like this is a risky endeavor for women to be getting into but on the direct videos themselves that these women are posting a lot of people are commenting like this is my dream job or like this is my dream like how does it feel to like be winning in life like she's I mean and a lot of these videos are captioned or like the way that they're presented is like I spent years and years hustling constantly and working 70 hour weeks and now I'm a stay-at-home girlfriend and I get to like relax and do my hobbies and 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 try out different yoga studios and cook and read and hang out with my friends all day and it's like (sighs) this amazing beautiful relationship that I have with the world because I'm being supported by my boyfriend And so it's like, and so all of these, a lot of people respond to these videos with like extremely positive aspirational emotions. Mm. And that's part of the conflicting, that's part of the problem that people are identifying with it. Honestly, I'm kind of ambivalent because to be fair, it would be nice to not worry about money at all. Right. (laughs) The problem is when it's at somebody else's discretion, whether or not to take that money away. Because then you're just kind of. But, but that, I mean, that's the extension of trad. Like, I, uh, the reason I heard about this was because I was seeing something that was like, trad wives are out. Stay-at-home girlfriends are in. Oh, interesting. So stay-at-home girlfriend, girlfriend is basically a trad wife, but without the marriage. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, essentially. And it, I mean, it's because also stay-at-home girlfriends don't have children. And trad wives do. Oh, right. Children complicate things yeah. a lot. A lot. Yeah. If you're a stay-at-home girlfriend, all you do is cook and clean and do laundry and like groceries and shit. Right. Like, you're not taking care of children. Like, they don't have, like, seriously a full-time thing that they could be working on. Right, right. So then you have time for novels and yoga and all the cool things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like, you know, shopping. So take the temperature. Like, young women, right? Like, 20-year-olds, 22-year-olds, 18 to 22-year-olds. You talked a little bit kind of backhandedly about like the hoe phase and the body count Mm -hmm. and the ways in which there are like actually pressures on young women Mm -hmm. to like prove their emancipation through a kind of sexual politics on campus, which I also found really interesting in the context of thinking about Kollontai. Yeah. So So, I don't know if you want to, I mean, because how does that fit into this whole thing, right? When colleges were going co-educational in the early 70s mm -hmm. and, you know, in the 70s, there was a a fear that if they let, you know, and and that's how they always Mm -hmm. phrased it. They allowed women to go to places like Harvard or Yale 
that there would be women who went there to get their MRS rather right. than their BA or their BS, right? That right. there was a, this sense of that this was just going to be like a very fancy yes. their BS. Well, you know, bachelors of science. Yeah, I know. I, yeah. I know at, at I know. yeah, at some schools it's called a what is it, a BSE or whatever. Well, yeah, they got away, they call it that. So like that bullshit. It does, it does, I know. They're BS. Yeah, I got my BS at Harvard, <laughs> which is true in so many ways. Yeah. Anyway, five, six, seven, maybe eight years ago, there was a, a famous case of a, a mom or maybe it was an alumna at Princeton where uh, this mom or alumna, and I don't remember which one it was, wrote in to whatever the college newspaper is at Princeton and said, hey, young girls, Try to find your husbands while you're at school because you're never going to have such an eligible pool of bachelors again. And there was like this huge outrage in response to this column. <laughs> no, seriously. Wow. Um, people were like, you're not allowed to say that out loud, right? Um, but obviously it's people are thinking it, right? Yeah. And we know that in the United States today that so much of inequality there have been so many studies that that show this it's it the inequality results from many things but one of the major drivers of inequality is assortive mating mm -hmm. whereby you know wealthy women mm -hmm. if you're in a heterosexual relationship wealthy women are marrying wealthy men yeah. um, and that sort of just keeps consolidating the class um but that's also i mean given that Especially at places like Princeton and other Ivy League schools, like that's pretty direct evidence that people aren't just hooking up. Yeah, that's like, interesting. That's really because I mean, at places like Princeton, I like you know schools like mine, like right. They there are a lot of I mean there are people who are like yeah, yeah I would love to meet my spouse at college like that would be great and and maybe. And maybe in some ways, to take a very generous interpretation, you could say that like these people are hooking up and dating around and like, you know, getting around as much as they can partially as a way of like, you know, scoping out the playing field so that they can find a good, like, because we have the freedom of like hooking up with more people before we actually decide to get married, we might be able to actually select people that would be good husbands or wives. Right. <laughs> to and so, us. To us, right. And so, do you think that Colin I mean, but then that just seems to go back into the trap of bourgeois monogamous I mean, marriage. Of course it does. I think that it's like, at the end of the day, we can talk about how we're much more liberated now than we were in 1922 when Colin was writing her stuff. But like, we still live under capitalism. It's still a bourgeois monogamous whatever system. Like, as far, I mean, I don't think that, I think that it would be disingenuous to argue that anything in our modern world is fundamentally Kolontai approved. Because Kolontai would hate everything that's going on because we still live under capitalism. I'm sorry. Like, <sighs> you, I, I mean, no, you're this right. isn't news. No, it's not news. Like, it's, I mean, it's sad, but it's just like talking about Kolontai, give it, like, it has to be a project in aspiration and in a utopian thinking rather than a project of like, does this apply to the world we live in? Because obviously not. Right. And on that very depressing note, utopian thinking, that's where I'm going from yes. now on, for a little while anyway. Certainly. Thank you so much for those of you who have, you know, stuck with the podcast over my three-month hiatus, which was really, really necessary. I uh, came back to teaching uh, after the pandemic for the first time in the classroom, and I am 
unfortunately now also the chair of my department at the University of Pennsylvania, <sighs> which is brutal. So hard. You say that sarcastically. But I'm not being Yeah, sarcastic. no, it's it's brutal. Time is not a luxury of anything, uh, of any kind. I have no time. Time is... I, I exist on time fumes, if, if, that's, a, if that's a term. <laughs> I'm just waffling now. All right. <laughs> okay. Anyway, the, my daughter is telling me, she's waving a hand at me, telling me to, like, hurry up and end this podcast because I'm being boring. I am not made for the 30-second TikTok generation. I apologize. Hey, it's a 19-minute podcast. It is a 19. It's different. It's different. Okay. Some people have hour-long yeah, podcasts. Yeah, exactly. I think that it's kind of a little bit crazy that you insist on having a 15 to 20-minute podcast. Well, because people are busy. I don't want to take more time. Well, I, then why are you waffling? Okay. I'm sorry. I'm waffling. Good night. Goodbye. Thank you so much for listening. As always, keep up the good fight. Thank you.